The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. The Buddha, in his his inquiry into the human condition and into the nature of of stress and and dissatisfaction and suffering, and in his seeking a way to actually come to the end of this stress, this dissatisfaction, this this uh, dis-ease that, that we habitually find ourselves in, he arrived at an understanding of how the mind works. And one of the one of the things that he one of the ways that he described the human condition and how we tend to to find ourselves seeking happiness is he used the image of being being swept up, swept away in a stream of craving. This forward momentum of craving, of, of seeking happiness through attaining pleasant experiences, through um, through getting that which that that which holds some promise in our minds um, to finally give us a sense of of rest, of satisfaction, of happiness. He called this this way of being in life and being in the world, samsara, which means something like wandering on, this endless wandering, always seeking and, and never finding. We're never finding because the, the seeking, this grasping of trying to find, trying to arrange the conditions of the world and of our lives in a way that will be stable or we can finally build a build a home is actually out of alignment with the nature of our experience with the nature of the world we're trying to grasp at that which is actually inherently ungraspable and cannot be grasped the uh, one of the central teachings is that of the three marks or the three characteristics. Um, the Buddha des- described that experience are the experience of, of our lives and, and all the conditions in the world are characterized by impermanence. They have their, their nature is that they're ephemeral. They're inconstant. They're constantly coming and going. And that they're not within our control. They're they're not ultimately governable by our wishes or our will, and and therefore they're they're unable to be a source of lasting satisfaction. We can't grasp at and hold on to that which is uncontrollable and constantly changing and passing away. And yet we we tend to seek happiness 
through trying to control the conditions of, of our lives, the conditions of, of the world. Um, this, this craving kind of keeps us tumbling forward, this, this restless craving and agitation as it's kind of never really stopping, never really, even when we arrive at something and, and get somewhere where, where the craving has, has promised that, that, oh, we'll finally, you know, when we finally get that thing, whether it's that, that way people see you, that way you see yourself, that relationship, that job, that house, that money, whatever it is, that 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 state of the body, that the nature of craving is that it it's actually endless, and that the story that it spins that that when we finally get what's being craved, that we'll have some that we'll have satisfaction and ease in a way that is actually lasting. That's Part of the delusion of craving that's inherent in the delusion of craving is not not quite getting how quickly things are changing. Even when we taste peace for a moment, we may find ourselves wanting the next thing. What's what's next? How long are we actually satisfied? We tend to be um, enchanted enchanted by the story that craving tells. And so craving, when the mind is under the influence of, of craving, could say, the mind creates a world that feels inherently lacking, that feels inherently incomplete. But when the mind is gripped by craving, there's a, an immediate separation between what's here now and the possibility of enoughness or contentment or or peace or happiness. This is just part of the nature of craving. It's actually, it's not the fact that we are not able to get all that we want that's causing the stress. It's the craving itself that's causing the stress. And this is what the Buddha understood. And so when we, when, but when we do see craving arise, it's, it's actually a really valuable thing to be seeing and understanding, not something to try to, oh, yeah, craving is bad, you know, try to suppress or get rid of it. Craving and, and the stress that it causes are to be understood. And it's in the understanding of this process of this, this cycle, this, um, pattern of mind and how it creates so much stress in our in our hearts and creates this this separation between uh, where we are now and peace or ease or happiness this is such a central uh, learning that that when this when this understanding when this learning about the nature of craving ripens, it leads to its complete release. So this is something that we're encouraged to get to know in our experience, to be curious about, to get to understand.
I'm craving as as us constantly seeking somewhere we can rest in in getting the conditions of our lives and the conditions of the world to be a certain way and always seeking and never finding just inherent in the nature of craving is that it's it's endless and it's inherently stressful and we often find ourselves in this endless cycle of seeking and not finding until we meet the path. There's such, such good news that the Buddha discovered a path to actual peace and satisfaction, the deepest kind of happiness and well-being that's possible complete uprooting of of mental distress and agitation. And it's not in getting things, the conditions of the world to be a certain way, but it's in our relationship to them. It's in the peace lies in the alignment with how things are with the nature of how things are, aligning with the impermanent and uncontrollable nature of our experience and of the world. It may, to the craving mind, to the, to the mind that the kind of the habitual ordinary mind, that might sound like bad news, right? Like, no, well, then I won't be able to get the things I want if I'm, I'm not controlling, if I'm not in control. But the Buddha discovered that it's actually through releasing this attempt to control everything that there is finally this deeper happiness, this deeper peace that is possible right here in the midst of however it is. This alignment with how it is, alignment with the way things are. This is the, the Dhamma, the Buddha talked about the the way things are and the the natural law as being the dhamma and so when we when we discover and align with the dhamma our hearts are released and um we realize the the fruit of the path which is um peace and love and well-being and and warm-heartedness that is unshakable and so how do we how do we cultivate this this alignment with the way things are how do we cultivate this non-clinging that the buddha said leads to to happiness to peace well the one way of kind of very uh, summarily describing the, the the Buddhist path in in short is is to to cultivate that which is wholesome and to release that which is unwholesome. And this is not like a a moral judgment of good or bad. Um, this is really practical. Kusala is this word being translated as wholesome can also be translated as skillful and or appropriate. 
And it's really in this context of, of, of stress and its release. So that which is kusala is simply that which leads to the release of stress. That which is ekusala or unwholesome or unskillful it is simply that which causes stress. It's not a good or bad judgment. It's just, you know, if you have a direction, if you have somewhere that you want to, that you want to get to, you know, you're trying, you're asking for directions to this destination, some city you don't know, you know, you know, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. It's like, oh, someone might, might say, oh, you're going the wrong way. That's good information. If you're trying to get in the direction of, of, of a destination, that, that, that which is wholesome, that which is kusala is that which is often called onward leading that cultivates uh, the qualities that give rise to to peace, to release. And there are many of these. There's, there are so many doorways into cultivating this deeper happiness. For some, it may be uh, heart practices like metta, compassion, like uh, appreciative joy, delighting in the happiness of others. All of these these uh, these qualities that that support that support this movement of of non clinging of of release of of this trying to grasp on and hold on to in a in a stressful way and and at root at root in the Buddha's teachings the the root cause of these unwholesome patterns of mind greed aversion and delusion. They're all rooted in what's often called ignorance or just not not understanding, not seeing or understanding the nature of how things actually work. And so our attempts to seek happiness are are out of alignment with how things work or the way experience actually is. And so therefore it's it's just naturally going to cause some some stress and struggle because our attempts to seek happiness are misaligned with with the nature of the world the nature of our experience and so the the quality that is the the opposite of of ignorance or not seeing or not understanding is is often called wisdom or the this, the Pali word is panya, often translated as wisdom or understanding or clear seeing. So this actually seeing not not intellectual wisdom, not having mastered the texts, not having mastered the teachings, but that can be a support for our practice, but it's actually this seeing in our experience what's actually happening. It's this moment to moment direct insight into what's happening right here in our simple experience that is where the, the insight that grows into wisdom uh, arises. Um, it's often a, a frequent term in the teachings is, is wise attention, wise attention that is so connected to 
to the cultivation of wisdom, the cultivation of these wholesome qualities. Um, there's one one sutta, which is uh, just a, a, a discourse, a teaching of the Buddha, um, where the Buddha says that that when when one neglects wise attention and the the hindrances, what are called the hindrances to well-being, uh, are what flourish these qualities of of that are rooted in greed, aversion, and delusion. But when when wise attention is established, then what what arises are actually what are called the awakening factors, these wholesome qualities that lead to well-being, mindfulness, curiosity, this wholesome joy, um, tranquility, concentration, equanimity, these wholesome qualities that uh, that support the mind in aligning with the way things are. And this wise attention is is simply attending to our experience from the lens of experience as as experience, you could say experience as a process so actually starting to learn what is happening in this experience usually we're so glommed onto the the content of what we think about our experience and you know we're so in the story of our experience that we don't see what's happening in our experience as a process we don't see the activity of the mind oh this is actually a belief arising and it's being believed. There's this whole world that the mind creates based on this belief, this whole sense of self. Usually we're just, you know, so in, entangled with and in, kind of enmeshed with the content of that, that, that we're not seeing that as a process. That's not a bad thing. That's what we're all, that's just how all of our minds have been conditioned. And the invitation is actually just to become curious about that to get to to include that and to start to see that when that comes into view and we, and we start to see wow this is this is what the mind is doing this is how the mind is constructing this this experience constructing this sense of the world and the sense of of myself in it and my relationship to the world whether it's a you know a positive feeling sense of self or or a a negative feeling sense of self um, we can just see how this is something that the mind is creating moment to moment. And in the seeing of it, there starts to be a seeing through it. And we become less enchanted by the content and more attuned to the actual conditioned nature of the of the experience and also the the impermanent nature of the experience. And as, as these aspects of what's happening in our moment-to-moment -moment experience um, become more and more clearly understood, not through conceptual, you know, trying to analyze or think about so much, but through actually observing, through recognizing moment-to-moment, 
that leads to the the deepest release that can be completely at ease, completely at peace with even with the mind still churning out these unwholesome patterns. They can be known and understood and not identified with, not clung to. Even after the Buddha's full awakening, he was visited by, uh, in the the suttas, um, Mara is the the name of the, the personification of greed, aversion, and delusion. Even after the Buddha's full awakening, his mind was visited by Mara, but but the Buddha was never uh, swayed by Mara because as soon as Mara arose, the Buddha would say, I see you, Mara. I see you, Mara. And as soon as Mara was seen, he lost his power. The Buddha wasn't identified with or, or um, uh, you know, giving any power to these thoughts, even though they were still arising, he would still have doubt arise occasionally. There's a, in one story, the Buddha was uh, n- noticing that Mara was arising in his mind in the form of doubt and saying, you know, he, the Buddha had a very, um, in very, a lot of ascetic leanings and practiced really extreme asceticism before before he kind of found the middle way and became awakened. Um, so Mara visited him and said, look at you indulging in four hours of sleep a night. You've become so weak and undisciplined and, and uh, you know, who do you think you are? And so that was, you know, the Buddha's, the Buddha's version of self-judgment or doubt. <laughs> um, and he just said, I, I see you, Mara. And Mara was immediately vanquished. It's in the sutta, Mara was, uh, became frustrated that the Buddha saw through his ploy and just, you know, walked off. So in the seeing of the, the seeing and the understanding of what's happening, there is a freedom with it. Even with it still happening, there can be a freedom because there's this unentangled knowing that there can be an unentangled knowing of dukkha that is or or of stress of suffering that is actually free from it free with it even with it still there this knowing um another another sutta another story comes to mind uh just to highlight how central the, the knowing of our moment to moment experience is to the path to freedom there's a, a story that uh, i think it's called the the marvelous and the wonderful um and then there's a in this story there's a group of the, the Buddha's disciples, a group of monastics that are um, they're hanging out and they're talking about all of the marvelous and wonderful qualities of the Buddha. And they're going through all of these stories about the life of the Buddha, um, all these amazing, miraculous things like, you know, really 
really kind of out there amazing things like when the when the buddha was born you know the whole galaxy shook and when the buddha was awakened interstellar space was filled with pure bright light and precious gems rain, rained down from the skies all these amazing you know all these amazing stories and and um the buddha walked by and kind of heard just noticed they were talking and um ananda was the the buddha's cousin and attendant was very close with the buddha he was there in this discussion and so later the buddha asked ananda what what were you all talking about back there and ananda ananda described you know in detail everything they were talking about all of the all of the wonderful and marvelous qualities of the buddha is what the, the story says and and the buddha simply responds by saying uh, so he referred to himself as the tathagata that's the kind of the word he used to refer to himself the buddha and the buddha simply responded by saying you should remember the tathagata thus for the tathagata feelings were known as they arose as they persisted and as they fell away for the tathagata thoughts were known as they arose as they persisted and as they fell away for the tathagata perceptions were known as they arose as they persisted and as they fell away but this is what the buddha wanted to highlight as a wonderful and marvelous quality is this knowing of moment to moment experience um yeah so just there's a lot more there's a lot more i wanted to say i see that we're almost at time um but just mainly want to emphasize and encourage the the that this simple attending to and recognizing moment to moment experience with the curiosity about what's what's actually happening in experience here that this is such a potent support for uh or the release of these patterns of stress and suffering this cultivation of wisdom it may feel so deceptively simple this oh, just recognizing experience it doesn't feel like very much is happening but over time this really does develop and ripen into the the wisdom that leads to the end of all stress the wisdom that leads to the deepest kind of peace and and happiness that is that is possible in this life we have a couple of minutes um just wanted to see if there are any questions or comments or reflections about your own practice before we we close for tonight for today Uh, I will just add one quick thing about how this shows up in our practice because this has been something that's been so helpful for me is it it can be so easy to hear the instructions to you know to not cling to not react to you know all these invitations um 
But often when we sit, what we actually observe is how our minds are struggling against experience. They, our minds are trying to create an experience, trying to get rid of an experience. We can't just decide to not do that anymore. If we could, you know, there wouldn't be much work to do. Um, but that's, that is also included that it's not, it's not bad news to sit and just feel like you're caught in struggle. It's good news to recognize it. I think Ajahn Amaro, one of the famous uh, teachers, and um, said that 90% of our practice is recognizing that we're caught and not being able to let go. But even just recognizing that we're caught, that is cultivating the wholesome because we're starting to understand what's happening in our experience as it actually is. So everything is included, however you are, recognizing that is a wholesome and onward leading practice. Thank you all for your practice and kind attention and I do a quick uh, dedication of merit. May the, may the goodness of our practice and any wholesome qualities cultivated, may they all ripple out and be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere be free from danger. May all beings everywhere be free from mental suffering. May all beings everywhere be free. Thank you all. Good to be with you. Thank you.